Good morning, it's Matt Wee with BibleTruthProject.com. Welcome you to another episode. Uh, it's been a bit too long since I last recorded. Uh, however, there's been some changes in jobs and responsibilities, etc. And so I kind of got uh, wrapped up into getting into transition mode. And uh, kind of out of that now, so I will plan to regularly record again. A thought that I've been contemplating the last while is what is my responsibility here on earth? What is my place? Where do I fit in? What is, uh, in essence, the calling uh, as a human? Not necessarily just personal, but like what is really God after? What, what, what does he want out of us? You know, and I look at a lot of different scenarios um, but I have to go back to the beginning. I mean, you go back into the garden, you see that God gave Adam a charge. And the charge that he gave Adam was to to be, uh, to have dominion over the world and to also to take charge, to dress and keep the earth. And so I guess there's like a, a, a natural part of us that has dominion. Okay, we, we have dominion over the animals, etc. And also the responsibility factor. There's no other species on earth that takes responsibility for another. We're the only species that actually takes responsibility. And that in itself implies that we have been given dominion. Just as God takes responsibility for us, we take responsibility for the creation. God transferred that to us. So I, I, th I guess I think of then about other things. What are these other dominions and, and powers? What are these other uh, authorities that God has given to different beings? And we read actually in the Bible, there are other dominions, there are other powers, there are other authorities that have responsibility in different places. Um, but if you look at down through uh, before pre-flood era, I mean, man very quickly corrupted itself. And God makes mention that he, it repents him that he even made man. So with that, you know, God was looking to bring somebody out of that. And he always had a righteous person on earth, I believe. I mean, if you look down through, you can see Methuselah, you can see uh, Enoch, you see um, obviously Noah. So it always seems that there was a, a lineage, there was a righteous lineage to a degree, uh, that of Seth, and that they somewhat carried righteousness. So I don't know exactly where that fits in with everything, but that is the presumption. And then God looks at Noah because, because of the corruption God looks at Noah, and if you look at the name Methuselah, uh, I believe, I might be wrong, I have to Google it to look it up, but I heard another a person tell me this uh, a couple weeks ago, and that is, Methuselah actually means, when I die, uh, it will end. And so, there's a, it's an interesting scenario, Methuselah dies, and if you look at a chronology chart, actually right when he passes away, right in that time frame is when the flood happens. But then you have this guy named Noah and who in faith, you know, is preaching righteousness. Well, what was the righteousness that he preached? Well, the Bible doesn't really give reference. Some extra biblical sources would 
um, in, in imply that he was preaching that the worship of many gods and also uh, the corruption of flesh, the mixture between perhaps fallen angels and mankind. Now, in today's world, we might say, well, that just sounds like fooey. But in reality, it probably was, there was some truth to it because uh, Josephus writes that, um, that though, that those, uh, men, the men of that time were very much like the stories of the Greek mythology and Roman mythology. Uh, these, these superhumans, half human, half, uh, half divine, if you will. But that is, that, that is basically, basically what it's, what it's, what it's, uh, referencing is something like that. And that's what Josephus wrote. So that would have been second temple understanding in that time frame. So it could have been that I don't I, I don't know I wasn't there I was so I don't know but but anyway it was wicked enough that God just had to, had to destroy mankind basically from the face of the earth because of the corruption and I think that probably would be enough of a reason to and there's a reason that we have so little history from that time period uh, and I believe it's probably for our protection so we don't ever go back or want to go back to that. But after the flood, you know, there was this hope. God had chosen this one man and hoping to restart uh, civilization, restart and restart it in a, in a way that God would be pleasing to God. So we have to look at, you know, there was an initial creation. They fell. Then we look at Noah. And literally within a generation, there was Babel. They were supposed to spread across the world. They didn't. They congregated together. And there were kings that came and caused tyranny and all other sorts of things. And almost right up, if you look on the chronology, almost right up, right away, we have the incident of Babel. And so, there again, mankind did something that was contrary to the will of God. He actually is not for globalism. This coming together, oneness of all nations and people, is not something God wants for us. He sees through that. He will do that when he returns. But while we are on earth governed by ourselves, he's actually for nationalism. He actually divided one people into many nations, into many cultures, into many tongues. Uh, as I'm not sure why, but he did that. And he doesn't want globalism. Because global globalism, you know, in its in its in a right way, if it is because of the righteous king, is one thing. But for the sake of power and wealth, it's it's evil. So, what am I saying? Is does God not love people and all? That? Yeah, of course He does. But it's His way was to divide the the nations when they all got together. But after that, you can kind of sense a disappointment. God is like looking for something. A couple hundred years of history goes on, and there's really no record. There's no, there's nothing until Abraham. Now, interesting part is if we look at a chronology chart, uh, Noah and Shem both would have overlapped. Uh, uh, yeah, Shem, not Seth. Sorry, I was just thinking that through my head. 
they would have both overlapped the life of Abraham right at the tail end. But there is a very likely chance that they could have met and that that is how he was introduced to the true God, the creator God. And he felt Abraham in, in, the, in, in extra biblical sources, Abraham was fed up with the system. He was fed up with idolatry. He was fed up with, well, how can you worship something that you made with your hands? It's just insanity. And so he was a man of righteousness. And God, it was almost like God was waiting for such a man. And so God approached it from a different angle. He then took Abraham and he said, I'm going to create a people out of you. They're going to be my people. They're going to do things the way I want it. I promise that to you forever if you do what I say and are obedient and walk in faith, I will make a great nation of you. So it's like God ignored the other nations and he chose this one man again. And out of him would come a family. A family would become a nation. A nation would become a faith, if I can say it that way. So it would become the example of faith in God and the mistakes, the pitfalls, uh, basically the example. They are the testament to God. And so those people, okay, that family kept a record. And that record today is the Bible. So the Bible is this family story of Abraham going all the way back. And that amazes me. It really does. But but having but going on, you know, there was this all this focus on a coming Messiah to these people that would be the Savior to to the Jewish Messiah. And it's easy to focus on just one people group here, but um, but that is actually what God did. He actually focused on one people group. He did not want to save the world through those times it was not until jesus came that the door was open for all nations to enter which is fascinating because god is the creator of all he created us all we are all created beings created in his image but he did not choose everybody he chose abraham and his seed and his descendants to be blessed upon the face of the earth and he still is going to do things through them there are still prophetic things going to happen and they are still connected to that which he is wanting to do as much as gentiles are now as a part of the picture they still so much more god's clock still turns um, on the prophetic lives of the jewish people that is how he's chosen to do it he's not going to change that um so i mean i look at that whole picture you know now how do i fit into that what is my responsibility? What is my role? You know, Jesus has come and he has fulfilled the covenants. And what I mean by fulfilled, he has made full. Fulfilling is not necessarily ending. We, In, in English, we, we think fulfilled is like it's finished. But the finishing isn't that it's over. The finishing is that it's now complete. It's now put together the way it needs to be. And it continues. So... I look at it, you know, what is the kingdom? God came and established a heavenly kingdom on earth. And this is a kingdom we're all a part of. It's not a kingdom that's of the world. It's a kingdom that's of heaven. And we are invited to be a part of it. And only a few enter. Not that many enter into this kingdom. 
And we become ambassadors, we become emissaries, we become uh, servants, we become all sorts of things in this kingdom. And that is what we're a part of now. God had, through Israel, uh, wanted, through Israel, tried to establish a kingdom on earth through them. But they broke the covenant. And in their breaking of the covenant, God had to go about it a different way. And that was himself becoming flesh, fulfilling the demands that righteousness entailed, which was Torah. And in fulfilling, he completes it, not puts it away. He completes it. And not only does he complete it, he is all righteousness. And now all we need is faith in him. And that faith is what makes us righteous before God. Not what we do, but the faith that we have in him. And when we have faith in him, he changes this heart. And he changes it to a heart of flesh, a heart that is soft towards God. And a heart that hears. And this right here is what I believe is what it's all about. All that God wants to see out of us is that we have soft hearts, that we have hearts that hear. And when he speaks, we do what he says. That's all he's looking for. He's, he's looking for that fellowship. He's looking for that oneness with us, the relationship. That is why I'm here. And I'm here to do his purpose. I'm here to be a part of the kingdom. I'm here to be a part of of what God is doing. I'm here to have dominion. I'm here uh, to be a king and priest. He called Israel to be the kings and priests. Uh, and so much more in the New Testament. Um, it's declared that we are to be kings and priests. So our place in this world is to be kings and priests. And what do kings have? They have dominion. And what do priests do? They intercess. So I truly believe it is our position uh, as believers in the kingdom, if we are truly in the kingdom and we understand what that means, then we have a responsibility to be kings and priests. And that means to have dominion, to have the authority, and to intercede for things that matter to God. That's all I have for today. Uh, blessings to you. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>